Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 6.30 Chad and the Edmonton Oilers Hockey Club present the show that is everything Oilers. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office Equipment Solutions North America wide. Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio. 6.30 Chad. It's 105 at Edmonton. Welcome back everybody. Bob Stoffer working from home like many of you. Stay safe out there everybody. Just had Wayne Gretzky on the show. And uh, we will tell you this. This is the second hour of Oilers Now. It's brought to you by our title sponsor, Digitex. Hugh Porter and his staff at Digitex, they are on board with you. Stay safe. Digitex is your all-in-one convenient location at digitex.ca. Alberta's number one owned and operated place to buy office technology and software. In this hour, we will uh, get to some of your texts on the Ashley Fine Floors text line at 780-496-0063. Ashley Fine Floors, providing winning results for over 35 years. We will uh, hear from John Shannon in 29 seconds time, our NHL insider. And Raphael Lavoie, who the Oilers signed to a three-year ELC on Saturday. We're on Twitter at Oilers Now. You can tweet me personally, Bob underscore Stoffer and Brendan at Brendan Escott. But without further ado, we head off to the River Cree Resort Casino Hotline at 780-496-0063. Pleased to welcome back to the show NHL insider John Shannon. Hi, John. How are you? Hello, Bob. How are you? Oh, not bad. Same thing? Uh, interesting. Well, I mean, to have Wayne on a day, I know you saw uh, <laughs> stories, I believe, emanating out of USA Today on the possible postponement of the upcoming uh, Olympic Games, which we're going to, we, we discussed that uh, last week on the show, Japan hosting that. The COC uh, declaring last night that Canada will not be sending a team, um, given the context and challenges and everything else around coronavirus. And now Dick Pound uh, telling a very reputable writer, or Christine Brennan, that uh, it sounds like there will be a postponement of the Olympic Games. So we're going to start there with you, John. Just a quick thought on that. Well, it's a no-brainer at this point. Uh, when you consider the concerns that uh, uh, all the nations that would go, probably close to 150 countries, uh, I think that there are more important things to worry about, and uh, it's probably it probably makes a ton of sense for. I mean, let's face it: our country was the uh, was the groundbreaker on this yesterday when it, when the COC did announce that it wasn't going to send a team, and then Australia followed suit. Uh, to me, it's just it, it just makes a, a, a ton of sense. Uh, particularly when you consider the boundaries uh, and the countries that are involved, and some countries are afflicted at this point worse with COVID-19 than than our country is. So uh, it, it, it's common sense, and um, I mean, I uh, unfortunately I think we're probably getting to that point uh, when we're concerned about all sports uh, over the next few months. Uh, Japan, by the way, according to the website worldometers.info. Uh, currently at, uh, they're reporting 1,100 cases uh, total, which is relatively low. That's only nine per uh, one million. Canada, by the way, has had a spike today of 565 new cases, uh, which has got us over 2,000 now, which is 54 uh, per million. Still pales in comparison, obviously, to 
Well, it, it, yeah, space. but it, in many ways, in many ways, Bob, it's apples and oranges when you consider that it's exposed um, uh, cases. But how many have been tested? It, right. it, it all goes. It all goes to the level of testing. Uh, and some countries have tested more than others. Our country, we should feel very fortunate. Our country has done a better job of testing uh, than many countries have. Well, in an illustration lot, Alberta has, uh, as of yesterday, was at uh, 27,000 tests. John. Exactly, yeah. You know, for 4 million people in the United States, said yesterday there are 254,000 tests for 330 million people. So you could do the math there. Tells you a lot, reveals a lot, a lot right there. Yep. Yep. The NHL today uh, put a, and I believe there's a meeting going on right now as we speak, uh, but they sort of put out an information Q&A regarding uh, a pause in the 2019-20 season. You said something in the last uh, bit there about maybe headed down an inevitable path. You, you, you thought maybe 75-25 that we'd have a resolution and have a, a playoff at some point. Are, are you now maybe decreasing uh, those percentages a bit? Uh, maybe, maybe. Uh, you, you know, I mean, I, I am not a doctor. Right. I am not a medical expert. Uh, I am a hockey fan. I am somebody that deals in the sports world. Uh, I would never pretend to know exactly what's going on with uh, this virus and the pandemic. Uh, I guess maybe in my own mind, it was more wishful thinking than than anything else. Um, you know, I do think that uh, we will have a better sense of the world uh, in the next two to four weeks. Uh, You know, the NHL players and uh, NHL management are self-quarantined until the 27th. Uh, I do think that we'll have a better, and hopefully most of the country is, other than the people in Kitsilano and Jericho Beach in Vancouver. Um, I I, I hope that uh, we all have a better sense of where the world is and where our country is and where hockey is uh, by the end of March. Yeah, the United States, by the way, reporting 8,000 new cases up to 41,000. We know they've done nowhere near the testing that's been done in Canada. And that's part of this here, right, is we're in a league where 24 of the 31 teams right now are in the United States, and uh, there's some hard-hit areas like the tri-state area. Oh, no question. Uh, I mean, when you think of – and you think of the drastic measures that have gone in in New Jersey, in New York, in Connecticut – and the drastic measures that have occurred in California uh, that uh, in, in order to try to cope. And, and so in the end, uh, you know, we do look at places like the, like uh, Santa Clara County, where for, for a hockey position, it all began for us when they closed uh, gatherings of more than 1,000 people in San Jose. And that's where it really started in the hockey world for us. Uh, that uh, that we we needed to find a way to get a grasp of it, and uh, and after March 11th, when everything was put on pause, we're still we're still. By the way, it's hard to imagine. It's only been 12 days, um, right. but it feels like 12 months, um, and uh, and we're still getting a grasp of this from a uh, from a societal position, let alone a hockey position. Yeah, absolutely. Now uh, there is an opportunity with this downtime potentially, and the way the CBA, where you were the guy every step of the way that said, Bob, there will not be a lockout in September of 2020. We know that will not be the case because we've got an extension till 2022. But is there an opportunity to do more than that and to maybe do something similar to what the NFL and the NFLPA did? And, you know, given the state of affairs out there, 
This is going to be a challenge, John, to rebuild the league and get it back up to where it was at going into this. The only, the only way I, 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 I disagree with you, Bob, is, is that we have been through shutdowns before. You know, you know, hockey's the one sport in the last two decades that has had a canceled season. Uh, hockey is it has, has a blueprint on how to manage an off season uh, after we lost a complete regular season uh, in 2004. Uh, so from from that perspective, uh, I you know I think that they're going to try to do everything they can as long as the government will allow them to, both governments allow them to, uh, to be ready for September. Uh, I don't think there's anything else going on when it comes to the CBA other than getting through this mess. Uh, I do think that there are going to have to be some exceptions made for the cap. I do think there's going to have to be exceptions made to free agency. When does the draft occur? Still no word on any of that off-season stuff. Will there be... Will there Will it be a mutually agreed on buyout period uh, like we saw in 2005? Uh, those are the questions in many ways that, that, that will, be, will be asked uh, and answered uh, once we get an idea of when and if hockey returns. John Shannon joining us, our NHL insider. John, and as you know, there was two uh, compliance buyouts that didn't count against the cap in the 12-13 uh, right. lockout as well, right? 13-14, right. so you had those mechanisms that you could deploy at that time as well, uh, which could make things very interesting, and that would be one way to create, in theory, a little bit more uh, cap space for each of the organizations if we have a static cap. Well, who, who's to know? Uh, who's to know where we are and what we are? Um, you know, who's to know what percentage of, of, of revenues have been really affected? Um, you know, players get salaries for regular season only. They don't get salaries for playoffs. Uh, and and who knows what type of revenue has been lost when it comes to playoff games? When uh, when it comes to how you prorate the national TV deals. Are they still getting paid? Uh, does that mean we're going to have to extend them by, uh, a portion of a, a year, a prorated year, at the end of the deal? Uh, and uh, and and what are the gate receipts like in playoffs? I mean, there are so many questions that the you know Craig Harnett is the chief financial officer of the National Hockey League. Steve Hatcher-Petros is the schedule maker. Between the two of them, their heads, I bet you, are spinning right now, trying to figure out which model is going to be used. And when do they invoke the model? And they have to be told when to invoke the model and what the model is. It's going to be a difficult time. So, John, the word today, again, uh, tick pound. Uh, USA Today reporting that uh, we're going to have a postponement of the, of the Summer Olympics. Does that provide a mechanism or a window for the NHL to potentially slide into? Uh, you mean for what? Well, for, playing for, playing late into July, early August. Uh, well, I I I, I just uh, the one thing that I read, and I we, I we talked about this last week, Bob. They will not compromise compromise next season if they don't have to. That means, in my opinion, that if they believe that they can play a regular season in August, September, and then start up late, I don't think they want to. I think they want to start full for all 31 teams in September. 
I mean, you, you, I mean, remember, if you talk about playoffs, you're only talking six, 16 of the 31. 15 teams won't be playing. How is that fair for them as they prep for um, uh, they prep for the, 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 the new season? How is it fair for the 16 teams in the playoffs that the 15 teams can bid on free agents? There are, I mean, it's a Pandora's box. It's a Pandora's box. They want to ensure that September camps are not compromised, that October regular season games are not compromised first, and then they're going to back up from that. John, I'm going to uh, switch focus a bit. Peter Shirelli did an, uh, was quoted first time anybody's done anything with him. Not a surprise that it was Bruce Garriott, uh, who is a friend of Peter's uh, from Ottawa. That's where Peter's from. Mm-hmm. Um, I had somebody say to me, do not be surprised if Peter resurfaces as a, G- as a general manager in the National Hockey League. I mean, obviously, we've got bigger things right now going on with uh, COVID-19 and the coronavirus, and we will continue to provide updates throughout the course of our show on a daily basis. But could you foresee a scenario where Pete Shirelli gets another opportunity to be an NHL GM? Oh, probably. You know, this is a reinvented position every time. I mean, guys, the, the farther away they are from having jobs, the better general managers they were. Uh, and that's not a knock at Peter. I mean, Peter and I had our differences over the time in Edmonton, and Pe- but Peter and I also, we, we got along pretty well. Uh, you know, the, the issue I had with Peter is he wasn't transparent at all. Like, he was zero. There was zero transparency in what Peter did, which is the biggest difference between what Peter did and what Kenny's doing. Uh, for particularly for a hardcore hockey base like Edmonton is, you need somebody who communicates with you know the invested public. Peter was not prepared for that. He didn't believe in that. He didn't need to do it in Ottawa when he was the assistant general manager. He didn't need to do it in Boston when he was the general manager. He needed to do it in Edmonton, and he didn't learn that. And that was the bigger issue. When you look at some of the things he decided to do. Some of them are pretty good. The Miko Koskinen deal, has it paid off? Nah, it might have now. Uh, the Leon Dreisaitl deal looks like a steal now. Uh, maybe even Connor's deal looks like a steal now. There are some things that Peter did from a pure managerial perspective that were pretty good. Uh, was he the right guy for Edmonton? He wasn't. He wasn't at the time. Uh, he got them. He got what he did do early on was get them some credibility. Uh, in the marketplace, he wasn't one of the old boys, and it worked out early on. But as the pressure mounted, Peter couldn't really, in many ways, or didn't want to cope with the pressure of being a manager in a Canadian city. Uh, so, I mean, I think there are some positive attributes in, in Peter Shirelli's world. Uh, but at the same time, um, maybe he's got some lessons learned from what, what he did wrong in Edmonton, and maybe that's a positive for him. Well, it's always funny when it comes to the assessment. I mean, you and me have had this discussion before. We have a lot of people that think Craig Matavish was a great coach. I think Craig was a good coach, but he never was an NHL head coach in any other place other than Edmonton. And maybe that's because he was seen as having an Oilers tattoo. But a lot of people think that uh, Craig Matavish was a terrible GM, and I don't. I mean, obviously, firing Ralph Kruger and bringing in Dallas Sakins did not work at that time. But conversely... He also drafted Darnell Nurse, and he drafted uh, Leon Dreisaitl. Yes, he, he did. Was, you know, under his guise as general manager, those are two pretty good first-round picks. And, and, hey, there were debates on those picks in those draft years. So that's, you know, in hindsight, that's the uniqueness of evaluating is is you can find positives and negatives with virtually every sure. 
regime when it comes to a, a, a manager out there in the business, John. It, it, you, know, you, you, you bring up the dry saddle, and I remember, uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I think the draft was in Philadelphia, Bob. Um, yes, it was. And I remember sitting with Craig in the lobby of, of the hotel he was staying at, and he was adamant. There was no question who was at the top of his list. He 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 had a good sense of who was going where, and at, at, at the position the Oilers were, Leon Draisaitl was going to be available, and Leon Leon Draisaitl was the guy. No questions, no debate. There was no umming. He told every guy in the media three days before it was going to be Leon Draisaitl, and he stuck with his gun. Uh, and uh, it has proved to be one of the great moves in drafting. And the guys that drafted ahead of them, and correct me if I'm wrong, Florida, Buffalo, Calgary, right? Um, well, uh, yeah, Florida and Buffalo had the first and second picks. Calgary had the fourth pick. Florida obviously took Aaron Eckblad, who was the consensus number one, you know, right, uh, right shot, right shot defenseman. Yeah, then Sam Reinhardt, right? Right, and Buffalo, as you know, John, had taken five Europeans with first-round picks in three previous years. Yeah. And so they were not taken, even though Leon was to me not a European player because he played in the Western Hockey League for Corey Cluston mm-hmm. and Prince Albert and Edmonton couldn't have run up Hey, faster. don't forget he played for Danny Lambert in uh, Kelowna too when they went to the Memorial Cup. Come on now. Give, a, give our friends um, in Kelowna some credit, will you? They should have won. <laughs> if he hadn't had it. Riley Stadel on uh, Dreisaitl's line in the, in the final against Oshawa, they would have won the Memorial Cup, John. Well, uh, darn Anthony Sorelli. That's a, that was a, uh, Anthony Sorelli, the no-name kid I still remember meeting Pat Morris's agent. He said, "This Anthony Sorelli's going to be Sorelli's going to be okay." And then he goes and scores two oh, goals yeah. that night. Two goals that night in the Memorial Cup Championship game in Quebec City. It was a fascinating to tournament to watch Leon, who was the MVP of the tournament. Do you remember uh, the shorthanded goal Drysaddle scored in that tournament? Oh. It just. It was just unbelievable. Like yeah, the, you're right. You're the right. outside power movie made to the net and beating the goalie back to the short side. It was a thing of absolute beauty. And on that note. Yeah. Look, there's bigger issues out there. The U.S. is going through a very difficult time. Ontario and Quebec are, are really going to be shutting things down. Alberta is testing off the charts, doing you know great work in that regard. That said, you know we, we still haven't got this thing completely under control. But when we eventually get back, Edmonton is still going to be in a pretty enviable position whether it's you know whether or not we get a chance for a playoff this year we're talking september and october next year because you could make an argument this year john the best two players in the in the nhl might have been playing for the edmonton oilers certainly top five you know and and and, and i'm not and the difference between one and five is minuscule but yes you're right i mean let's face it with the, if you take dry and mcdavid uh, I still have a soft spot for Sidney Crosby, no matter what, uh, through all of this. Uh, and then, you know, I mean, the way uh, Pasternak has played uh, and, and Artemi Panarin have played, I mean, man, oh, man, those those five guys, I mean, that might to me, that was going to be the Hart Trophy ballot anyway on my ballot, those five. Uh, I wasn't sure of the order yet. Don't get everybody in Edmonton mad at me, but I wasn't sure of the order yet. Uh, but uh, those five were the guys, the top five in the National Hockey League at this point for me. All right. Great stuff, John. We appreciate your time. Uh, we'll touch base later in the week. Stay safe, everybody. 
That is John Shannon, our NHL insider. Uh, we'll tell you this. The guests on the show receive certificates to Japanese Village. Steak and seafood cooked right at your table. Edmonton South, downtown, north side, Sherwood Park, and now open in West Edmonton Mall and the folks Japanese Village. They're reiterating what John says. Stay safe. We'll take a quick timeout. This is Oilers Now. Subscribe to the Oilers Now podcast. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your podcasts. Oilers Now with Bob Stopper on 630 Chad. It's 127 in Edmonton. Let's go to our Ashley Fine Floors text line. Uh, Mr. Canoehead, a.k.a. Jason from Sangudo, says, Bob, please remind people to wash their canoe. Uh, no uh, portaging. <laughs> and no touching old oars. That one comes to us from Mr. Canoehead. Oh, boy. Uh, Bob, what do you think of this? As a texter from a Calgary area code, what do you think of this? If the NHL gives teams a compliance buyout and the Flames get rid of Lucic, do you think the Oilers should have to give Calgary a third-rounder for uh, James Neal? I don't think that would be fair to the Oilers, says the texter, but I bet the NHL will uh, make them, though. I have no idea how this is going to play out, to be honest with you. Uh, who knows? You know what? I think they're going to prorate it. But then if they prorate it, do they have to prorate the final stats then for every player in the league in order to do that? Or do they just go to the numbers that have occurred to that point in the year? You know what I'm saying? It's a good question. Another texter says, Bob, my six-pack of beer is more expensive than a barrel of oil. Uh, yeah. Okay. Very quickly, uh, the folks at James H. Brown Injury Lawyers want to wish you the best of luck uh, during these very challenging times. And I remind you that when accidents happen, go to jameshbrown.com. Stay safe, everybody. On the half hours, we have global news, weather, traffic updates with Eileen Bell coming up at 2 o'clock today. And I believe we're going to have a, is it Jason Kenny, the premier, that's going to speak at 2 o'clock today? That might be starting things off with Jalen Nye. The Edmonton Oilers signed Raphael Lavoie to a three-year ELC on Saturday. We're going to hear from him after Eileen Bell with a global news weather traffic update. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.